Hi friends, this is Will Dyer, the pastor here at the First Baptist Church of Augusta. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the message that you are about to hear will give you some joy in your day. But more than that, I hope that this message will connect you to Jesus. The mission of our church is to connect people to Jesus Christ in a community of faith. And it is my greatest hope that the message you are about to hear will better connect you with Jesus and His way in the world. Good morning, friends. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And in just a moment, we are going to continue on in our series, The Sermon on the Mount. And as I tell you every week, it is so important that you keep up with where we have been. So if you missed anything, go to our website, discoverfbc.org, or download our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to yours. Today we are continuing on where Jesus is now again shifting gears and talking about prayer. How should we pray and also giving us examples of how we shouldn't go about our prayer life. And each of those is equally important. But it is always right for us to begin by reading together from this story of God and God's people. So I want to invite you to follow along on the screen as I read to us now from Matthew chapter 6 verses 7 through 15. Jesus says, when you pray, don't pile up a jumbled heap of words. That's what the Gentiles do. They reckon that the more they say, the more likely they are to be heard. So don't be like them. You see, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us today the bread we need now and forgive us the things we owe as we too have forgiven what was owed to us. Don't bring us into the great trial, but rescue us from evil. Yes, If you forgive people the wrong they have done, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, neither will your heavenly Father forgive what you have done wrong. So friends, there are a couple of things in our lives, right, that that we know if we did them, we would be better off for it. There are a few things and you can probably name them, that if you engaged in these particular activities with regular discipline, with regular occurrence, then you would be healthier, you would be fitter, you would be more emotionally, physically, spiritually uh, in tune, right? So, so think, for example, you know that if you ate healthier, because admit it, you got up this morning, Sunday morning, and you are in the comfort of your home or wherever you're watching, and you probably ate a bunch of eggs and sausage or whatever else. And so you this morning know, I probably should have eaten oatmeal, and I would be healthier. We know that. 
We all know that if we were to exercise six days a week, then our lives would be longer and they might be a little bit easier. So, so we know, for example, that exercising 30 minutes a day is a really good thing. And you could probably list off a couple of other habits in your life, right? Like if I did more yoga, if I went outside and did more things in the great outdoors, blah, 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 whatever it is. There are certain activities that you know deep down in your bones. If you engaged in them, you would benefit. Now, now like we have those things in just the course of our everyday life, Jesus calls us to graft certain activities into the course of a spiritual aspect of our life. Because here's the thing, guys. Jesus understands that you don't have a spiritual life. You are a spiritual life. And the activities you engage in to connect you in a deeper relationship with God will ultimately benefit the whole of your existence. And so Jesus, for example, teaches us and takes for granted that you are going to pray every single day. Uh, Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, right? Because prayer... We all know, I think each of us would agree, if you are a follower of Jesus, you would say that prayer is essential to the Christian faith. If you are not in regular uh, conversation with God, then it is impossible to be connected to the source. As Jesus would say in this Sermon on the Mount, if you are living in in a world where you are not in regular communication, both speaking and listening to God, then you are outside of the flow of the kingdom. And so as we begin in this sermon together, as Jesus talks about prayer, how to pray and also how not to pray, it is so important for us to recognize that as followers of Jesus Christ from the beginning up until now in 2021, prayer is essential to the Christian life. We would all say that. There was a Gallup poll that was released in 2016. And in this Gallup poll in 2016, I know it's a few years old, so I would imagine the statistics have become even starker. But in this poll in 2016, they asked a wide percentage of Americans, how many of you pray? And what was fascinating is that 75% of Americans responded by saying that they pray on a regular basis. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that they pray to Jesus, but 75% of Americans, when asked, do you pray, they said they pray with regularity. 55%, y'all, 55% of Americans said that they pray on a daily basis. And so, at least in theory, absolutely every single one of us would agree that prayer is essential to living and living well. But... But when you dig into that Gallup poll just a little bit, when you maybe flip past the first page and get into more of the detail, what you will find is that uh, according to this poll, the average amount of time spent in prayer, do you know how long it is? Five minutes. Five minutes spent in prayer. Now, I want you to contrast that, for example, with Martin Luther or Susanna Wesley, John Wesley's mother, who used to spend hours hours and hours on prayer. Calvin and Charles Spurgeon, some of these great preachers and teachers of the past, they would say that prayer was an essential part of what it meant to do ministry. And so they would spend just hours devoted to sitting in the presence of God. 
And contrast that to 2016, where what do we find? But the average person spends five minutes in prayer. And what we also found out from that poll in 2016 is that the average American said that they felt nothing when they went through prayer. And so we know it's important. We know that Jesus calls us to do it. And yet, I think there is this sense of frustration from many of us because really we were never taught how to do it. And I'm going to be honest with y'all for, for a few minutes because there are times I just went through a season where it felt like every single time I would lay down in my bed and every single time the, the sun would set and I would begin to say adieu to another day, I would begin to try and connect, begin to try and pray as I wound my day down. And what would happen? You know exactly what would happen. I would fall asleep. Every single time. And so listen, friends, I'm telling you that because if pastors fall asleep while they're trying to engage in prayer, it is totally normal for each and every one of us to go through seasons where we just don't feel like we're getting anything out of prayer. And yet, Jesus says to us in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, if you want to live within the flow of the kingdom, prayer is an essential part of how you do things. Prayer, communication with God, is so incredibly important, which leads me to then jump into our sermon today, which is to, to really begin with a, a first and primary question. And here it is. Friends, what is prayer? Because for many of us, I don't think we grew up with any sort of understanding as to truly what prayer is. You know, like if you grew up in church, you might have been taught that it's called the ACTS model of prayer, the A-C-T-S. So you begin with adoration. God, thank you. You're so good. You're so glorious. You're so wonderful. Then you move into confession, where you talk about the things that you have done wrong and maybe the things that you should have done and you didn't do, so you confess your sins, the A, the C, the T, thanksgiving, God, thank you for all the wonderful things in your life. And then finally, supplication, which is another way of saying this is the moment where you begin to ask God for things. This is the moment where you begin to pray for other people the moment where you begin to pray for your family, the moment when you begin to pray for yourself. And so there's this acts model of prayer. What is prayer? Uh, if you grew up at all in, in like the Episcopalian tradition, prayer for you is written down in the book of common prayer. And so you've got a script, you've got a guide that you can go to. And sometimes, friends, I have found that that is incredibly helpful. What is prayer? A writer that I really appreciate wrote a book, and in the book, she said that ultimately there are three primary prayers. No matter what we say or how we say it, ultimately there are only three words that we actually need to use when we go to God in prayer. And here's what it is. Thanks, help, and wow. Thanks, help, wow. What does it mean to pray? I don't think many of us were taught anything about this art form, this conversation that we are called to be engaged in. And I would argue that for many of us, what we have been taught about prayer, maybe if we haven't been taught what we have heard from other people and maybe from our own family, maybe even from ourselves, that prayer 
a caricature is that it is simply asking for things. God, give me this thing that I want. God, help me in this moment of my need. And God becomes like this cosmic genie that we call on to give us the things that we want exactly in the moment that we want them. It is firmly now college football season, and I will never forget. It was my first church. It was 2008. I was in Grovetown, and I had a weekend where all of my buddies from college and high school came in, and they stayed in the parsonage, and we went out to watch a Georgia football game, and then they came to church the next Sunday or the next day. But we went out to Wild Wing Cafe on Washington Road, which is no longer there. And we went to Wild Wing Cafe, and we had a long night. We had been there a really long time. And there was a table beside us, and the ladies were getting rowdy, and they were getting loud, and they had had quite a few drinks. And there's a moment in our conversation throughout the evening where one of the ladies finds out that I am a preacher and I'm the pastor at Grovetown United Methodist Church. And she begins calling on the preacher. And she begins to ask me, Will, pray for the dogs. Pray for the bulldogs that they're going to win the game. And she's saying, isn't that what God wants? And then, y'all, there comes this moment in the evening. And it was a tight game. I don't remember who we were playing. But we were down by two points. The end of the game, we can kick a field goal to win. And this woman grabs me by the hand, and she said, God, if the dogs make this field goal, then I swear to you that I will be in Will's church in the morning. And I watched as the kicker, Billy, it was Billy Bennett at the time, takes three steps, nails this field goal 47 yards directly through the upright, and this woman and the entire place bursts into celebration because UGA had won the game. God had answered her prayers. But I didn't see her the next morning, believe it or not. And for this woman and for so many others, prayer really is simply a landline to a genie who can give us what we want. And what I want to say to you today is that that is not what prayer is. That is not what Jesus has in mind. So what is prayer? And what I would say to you is that at its most basic level, what prayer is, is being connected to God Prayer is being connected to the source. Prayer is being in deep relationship with the one who created you from the dust of the earth and blew the breath of life into your bones. To pray is ultimately to be in relationship with, with the, the source, with the divine, with the eternal. Prayer is all about connection. To pray is to be connected to God. And if you're watching online this morning, or maybe you're watching on television, and you think, I'm not into this Jesus thing, I'm not into the whole religion, what I would say to you is that even you, even you in this moment, if you really dug down deep into the depths of your heart, what you would say is that you undoubtedly want to believe that you were created for more. That there has to be something more than what we can see and taste and touch and smell. That surely creation and existence points to something beyond us. And prayer, friends, ultimately is the means by which we stay connected to the source. Deep down inside of each and every one of us, we are hardwired to be connected to God. 
In his incredible memoir on death, nothing to be afraid of, Julian Barnes, who's an English novelist, begins by saying, I don't believe in God, but I sure do miss him. Some of you are watching this morning and you are thinking, I don't believe in God, but I sure do miss him. And what I would say to you is that if you could be willing to step out of your comfort zone and to engage in prayer in the way that Jesus teaches us to in the Sermon on the Mount, then what you might find is something surprising. You might find the still, small voice speaking to you in the moment where you need to hear it the most. The great Saint Augustine from the fourth century has this incredible quote, and if you've been a part of the First Baptist Church or if you've listened to me online or on television, undoubtedly you have heard it. And Augustine says this, that our hearts, O oh God, are restless until they find their rest in you. That we, at our core, are created to be in relationship with God. And we can try a thousand different things to fill the ache inside of our hearts, but ultimately it is connection with the divine that will do it. And these restless hearts can finally find what they need when they put their hope in God. And prayer, my friends, according to Jesus and according to the whole of the tradition, really what it is, is the primary way that we stay in connection with God. And so Jesus launches into this Sermon on the Mount section, and I just want to take a few minutes and walk us through it. Because Jesus says, look, you see how the hypocrites pray, and that's not how you're going to do it. If you remember last week, what Jesus says is, don't practice your piety in front of others in order to be seen by them. And Jesus says that there are those people that the only reason they pray, the only reason they engage in this endless art of trying to connect with God, it ultimately has nothing to do with God. Some people, the only reason they pray is because they want to be seen. They want to be heard by others. Jesus says, don't do it like them because they have already received their reward in full. They've received the approval of others. If you want to dig a little deeper into that subject, just go back and watch the sermon from last week. We all know people that stand up and pray like that. You've been to a church service before. Maybe you've been at a Thanksgiving meal where your super religious uncle begins to pray. And isn't that the worst possible time to launch into a 30-minute diatribe? Because you've got that food right in front of you and it's there and the person just goes on and on and on. And I just want to say, wrap it up, dude. Because the blessing of God is here around the table and Jesus says, all you need to do is say thank you to God for the blessing of the day and the beauty of this world and the wonder around the table. And yet we all know people, even though Jesus says not to, who when they have the chance to pray, put on the show so that everyone can hear them for their words. And Jesus says, don't do that. Don't do that. But instead, Jesus says, I want you to go in secret. Go into a prayer closet, some translations have it, where you can be alone with the Father, and here is what I want you to say. And Jesus at that moment gives us the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed 
be your name. That means may your name be honored because you are the utmost. You are the greatest. You are the highest. So our Father, our, not my, not I, but our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I love this part. On earth as it is in heaven. I think maybe the most revolutionary prayer in the whole of the Bible, the most revolutionary prayer that can come off of our lips are those very words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we have any idea what we are praying when we say that? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. The tradition later on adds forever and ever. Amen. And Jesus lays out for us this Sermon on the Mount, which frankly deserves a series in and of itself. And we don't really have time to get into the guts and the heart of, the sermon, of that Lord's Prayer today. But what I want to point out is that the Lord's Prayer is a model for how we are to think about interacting with a loving Father. Don't get caught up in thinking you've got to pray the Lord's Prayer every single day verbatim. If that's what you do and that works for you, that's great. But that isn't what Jesus had in mind. It's not a new law or thing you have to do. But Jesus is introducing us into a concept of prayer where we see that God is the loving Father who provides for us the things that we need. The loving Father who created us in the divine image. And remember, it is a we, not an I. And so Jesus is saying, if you want to connect to the Father, here is a blueprint. Here is a roadmap for how you can go in and enter into prayer. And I really wish I had more time to preach on the Lord's Prayer. But I actually have to move forward a little bit because there's one other thing I want to focus on, something that I think has the ability to revolutionize our prayer life. Because Jesus says some people love to stand in front of others and be seen when they pray and they've got their reward. Don't do that. As I said last week, check the state of your heart. Why do you do what you do? And then Jesus moves on and he says, when you pray, I want you to go and do it in secret. So let's stop for a moment. Why? Why does Jesus want us to go and pray in secret? Some people take that to mean that you should never, ever pray in public. Some people literally take it to mean you need to go and get in a closet before you pray. And what I want to say this morning is that is not what Jesus was intending. When Jesus says go and pray in secret, he has something in mind something that is powerful and revolutionary that we have to understand because the thing is, when you go by yourself, when you go into a place where no one else is, do you know what you are able to do? You are able to be present. And friends, listen to me. I want you to really understand this, that the reason Jesus in particular with prayer stresses secrecy, stresses being alone, it has nothing to do with not being seen by others, but the reason Jesus tells us again and again, practice your prayer in secret is because it allows us to do one thing incredibly well, that the reason we pray in secret is that you are free to be present in the moment. 
You are free to be fully present in the moment where you are. If anyone has ever been to a restaurant and looked around at other tables, you know exactly what I am talking about. If, if you have ever been to have coffee with someone else, and what do they do? But they pick up their cell phones and they check it the entire time you were trying to have a conversation with them. Friends, you are painfully aware that they are not paying attention. You are painfully aware that they are not engaged in the moment where they are present. And Jesus says the reason that you go off and you pray in secret is that it removes all the externals. The reason you are called to go and simply lift your voice and your heart before God who knows the things you ask before you even ask them is it allows you to simply soak in the presence of God. And when there is no one around to distract you, and when there are no cell phones to beep, and there are no iPads to ding your social media feed, what Jesus is saying is that it is amazing what you might experience. That prayer is an essential part of growing into the kingdom, growing into the likeness of Christ. And if you want to experience greater depth, it is so incredibly important that you take time and you are simply there with nothing in your way, simply opening your heart, sometimes speaking, what I have experienced is that oftentimes prayer is just listening. And the more you pray and the deeper you connect, you know how it is when you've been married to somebody for a long time, you can be in their presence and you don't have to say a word. And yet to simply be together, there's comfort. And if it's that way with your wife or your husband, then how much more is it that way with God? And Jesus invites us in this section on the Sermon on the Mount to understand that we pray not for the approval of others. We pray not to get something that we want, but we pray so that we might grow into the full stature of who God has called us to be. We pray so that we might be connected. And when you are connected, when you are deeply present in the moment, what do you see? What do you feel? What do you know? But the love of the Father who, who is there for you. The love of the Father who wants to give you incredibly good things. What you will feel in that moment is a deep connection with God. And so this week, what I want you to do is I want you to carve out time. Maybe it's early in the morning for you. Maybe it's late in the evening. But where is it? Just 10 minutes. If you can do more, great. But just start with 10 minutes. And I want us to ask a simple question as we go throughout the course of our week. Here it is, friends. How are you going to make space in your life to be present with God? As you go throughout the course of this week, What's it going to be? Maybe you just shut your computer. Maybe you just put the phone in airplane mode. But what are you going to do to carve out space to be fully present with God? And I know for me, it means I get up really early in the morning. And I've not been doing a good job of it lately, but this week, I'm going to make a special effort. The coffee will be ready. 
and the Bible will be on the table. And every morning, if only for a few ten precious minutes, I will be present with God. And what you will find, friends, is that the connection will grow. And so I want to invite you throughout the course of this week to be present, to open your heart, to open your mind, because when you do, what you will find is the love of the Father. And ultimately, friends, that's what Jesus points us to. And that, that is incredibly good news. So let's take a few moments now and let's pray together. God, we are grateful for this morning, for the opportunity to come and continue on in this series on the Sermon on the Mount. And Lord, as Jesus teaches us about prayer, so many of us here in this room, we struggle with it. We don't know how to do it, and we feel like we're completely inadequate. But God, on this day, help us to just start at the beginning. And Lord, throughout the course of this week, help us to go in the silence, to go in the private spaces of our lives. Not because we don't want others to see, but Lord, so we can be present And my prayer this week for each one of my brothers and sisters who is watching online or maybe they're watching on television, God, this week, in the silence, in the full presence of you and no one else, Lord, may you speak to their hearts. May you give them a word of comfort to those who are hurting. May may you give them a word of peace. God, to each one this week, May they feel that deep connection with you, who is our loving Father. God, we ask that you would continue to be with us as we worship now by coming to the table for bread, for wine, for your body broken, for your blood poured out, God. As we know you you through prayer, God, we know you now through this gift of Eucharist. So be present with us in these moments, oh God. This is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, Jesus says that the reason we pray is to be in deep connection with the Father. And that's why on this Sunday, we made a conscious decision to take communion together, to take the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, and to take it and eat it and drink it. Because not only do we experience connection with God through prayer, but what we also believe is that we experience connection with God through this gift. Some of us call it the Lord's Supper. Some of us call it the Eucharist, whatever you call it, communion. You know that it's a gift, a space where you are invited to the table of God to connect with Jesus and to connect with the Father who loved you so much that he sent his Son. And so for all of us who are here this morning, who know we have done things wrong in this world because God knows we all have, but to all of us who earnestly seek to live at peace with God and seek to live at peace with one another, for all who are seeking to follow in this Jesus way, I want you to know you are invited to the table. And so I hope you've gone and you've gotten your bread and you've gotten your juice, whatever you are using this morning. And I now want to pass on to you the tradition as it has been given to me and all those who have come before me. I want to invite you to the table where you might be connected to the Father. Friends, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, 
He gathered with his disciples in an upper room, and after they shared this incredible meal because it was Passover and that's what you did, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and he held it up before his disciples, and he told them that the bread they had eaten at that meal, it symbolized the exodus, the Passover from slavery into freedom, and and Jesus took some bread. And he said to them that there was a new freedom coming, a freedom from slavery to sin and death and a freedom to new life. And Jesus took a loaf of bread and he held it up before his disciples and he said to them that this is my body, which is broken for you and for many. So take it and eat it. My brothers and my sisters, this is the body of Christ broken for you. So take it and eat it. Likewise, after he had done so with the bread, then Jesus held up a cup of wine. It's juice here in our room. And he told his disciples that it is no longer just wine representing the blood of that lamb on Passover, but now it is the blood of the new lamb, the blood of the lamb of God who saves us, who makes us right, who connects us to the Father. And so Jesus took the cup of wine, and he held it up before his disciples, and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins, so take it and drink it, and do this in remembrance of me. My friends, the blood of Christ shed for you, take and drink. And after the meal was over, and undoubtedly they felt more connected to Jesus than they ever had before, the story says that they sang a hymn and they went out from there. And so we will sing a hymn in just a moment. But his prayer invites us, as I said, to connect with the Father. So this meal we just shared invites us into deep connection with the God who loves us. And so it is only right that we take a moment and we pray together. Let's pray. God, for your body broken, for your blood poured out for this gift of communion that we get to share, we thank you. God, may you be present among us. May each person today, from the comfort of their own home or wherever they find themselves watching, God, may they know that they, through through Jesus, through his body, through his blood, most importantly, through his resurrection, God, may they all know that deep, connection with you is possible. Lord, we are grateful for this gift you have given us. Transform us more into your image today and every day. This is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.